Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Let this cup, the cup of God's wrath, pass for me. And heaven was silent. So what is it? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. And so when we suffer, instead of living how we used to, instead of living how we're wired and reacting how we're wired, it's so important for us to remember that God is good. It's so important for us to remember that God is in control. It's so important for us to remember that our troubles are temporary and eternity is coming. Have you noticed that when we reach the point in life where things start to fall apart, it is easy to question what God is doing? In today's message, Pastor Jim takes us back to another time when a great difficulty was waiting for Jesus, the only perfect person to walk the earth. Jesus was going to die, and he asked God if there was any way to avoid it. However, he also recognized that God was in control, though God wasn't answering right away. We too can lean on that truth. When life gets tough and we can't see hope, God is still in control. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with part two of his message entitled, Three Important Decisions. You have to stay with me here because this is very, very important. This is a hugely important basic to Christian living. And remember we said now we're moving into the Christian living section of Peter's letter, Peter's epistle here. Okay, and so what is he telling us here? that your and my willingness to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ, your and my willingness to suffer for the kingdom of God is in evidence to you, to all of us, and to the whole world that the grace of God is upon you. It is in evidence you're willing to suffer for the kingdom of God is in evidence to everyone that you have undergone what the Bible calls the new birth, that you were once dead in your trespasses and sins, but now by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, God has born you anew and you are now a child of God destined for the kingdom of God. It proves that you are now a child of God. It proves that you are now a citizen of heaven. And what's happening? The pull of earth is losing its grip on your soul as now you realize more you are being pulled towards the things of God. What's happening? You are beginning to make a break with sin. While it's not your practical experience that you don't make a total break with sin, it is now becoming the desire of your heart that you would no longer walk in your old ways. And what's happening is obeying God is now more important to you than avoiding hardship. You would actually rather be obedient to what God commands even if you know it brings trouble into your life. Now, we live in a contemporary Christian culture that you know we always tend to be off in so many different ways. And one of the things we're always talking about is we gotta go to the mountaintop, right? And I love the mountaintop, trust me. I love the mountaintop. But I think if we're honest, most of us can honestly say 
that we've met God more in the valleys than we have in the mountaintop. We've met God more in the place of testing and refinement than we have in the areas of, let's say, success, right? Because when there's success, we tend to be like, well, of course the success, God, check me out, man. I mean, what do you think, right? But when there's failure, we tend to be like, how did this happen to me? But you know, if you're not a Christian, you know the way you become a Christian is when you get to the bottom of the barrel and you know that at the bottom of the barrel, it's only you and Jesus and you realize that you're at the bottom of the barrel because you put yourself there and he let you get there. Sometimes people who are close to becoming a Christian say to me, Pastor Jim, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. I say, let's pray God greases that rope, brother. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Because you don't want to live at the end of your rope too long. And so Peter is teaching us that suffering and not sinning, that suffering and not turning your back on the word of God is actually a faith-strengthening experience for the follower of Jesus Christ. It proves that you're making a break with selfishness. It proves that you're making a break with the idol of comfort and ease, and you would now rather follow Jesus Christ than anything else. And the truth of the matter is, we think about martyrs and the great saints of old, and few, if any of us, will be called to die for our faith, but we'll all be called to die with faith. We're all called to maintain the lifestyle of faith all the way to the grave, but it's important to see that we're all called to sacrifice. We're all called to sacrifice our time and our money. We're all called to sacrifice our personal peace, our comfort level, and even our pride for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, Luke 9, 23, okay? He said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, and some versions say, come with me or be my disciple, Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, Peter's just ripping off Jesus again, isn't he? He's just saying this is what it looks like in a practical sense. This is what it means by ceasing from sin. It means that instead of our default response when people come up against us is to defend ourselves, instead of our default response is to always get what we want, our default response is becoming that we want to obey the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And who modeled this better for us? Than the Lord Jesus himself. That same chapter, Luke chapter 9, verse 51 says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus knew when it was time to go to the cross, his attitude, his mind was, that's where I'm going to go. Jesus armed himself with an attitude that it is better to suffer in the will of God than to have it easy outside the will of God. So, contemporary Christian culture again, what do we say? Well, a lot of people say, well, just settle your business with God today. You know, come up to the front and invite Jesus into your heart. And you, it's almost like you're buying life insurance or something like that. And you'll never have to worry again. And then you can go your own merry way. That's not what the Bible says. Here in verse 2, he says, this is a life to be lived for the rest of our lives. We are to live the rest of our lives in the will of God. Coming to Jesus, if you, if you want to come to Jesus, you have to come in repentance and faith. You have to turn to God. You have to be willing to submit yourself to living for the Lord for the rest of your life. And the Christian life is a life of daily submission. I know this may shock you, but often in the Christian life, you're going to be asked by God to do what's right instead of what you want. Real shocker, right? But that's what's going to happen. 
who modeled this again better for us than Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before his crucifixion, where he says to the Father, Lord, if there's any other way for the salvation of us, for our forgiveness of sins, let this cup, the cup of God's wrath, pass for me. And heaven was silent. So what is it? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. And so when we suffer, instead of living how we used to, instead of living how we're wired and reacting how we're wired, it's so important for us to remember that God is good. It's so important for us to remember that God is in control. It's so important for us to remember that our troubles are temporary and eternity is coming. So Peter's teaching us that a follower of Jesus Christ should start each and every day with a strong resolve, with a strong determination to zealously live out the will of God. Well, important decision number two, rejecting the will of man. Rejecting the will of man. Well, we come into some more confusion, so I want to read the the verses again and we'll go back. Verse three and four. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Let's run through it again slowly with a fine-tooth comb. Verse 3, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime. What is he saying? He's saying to the people who are reading it, we have wasted so much of our lives living the wrong way. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm almost half of my life lived as a non-Christian and half of my life lived as a Christian. So I'm almost 30, and so 15 years... Just checking who's awake. (laughs) For those listening on the internet, I'm 35. (laughs) So he's saying you waste a lot of your time, don't waste any more. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's never too late with Jesus. It's absolutely never too late. But don't waste any more time. Don't waste any more time. He says, we spent enough of our past in doing the will of the Gentiles. Now, that's a confusing term. Some of your versions say the will of the pagans. And we think of, we think of you know, people like in the middle of the jungle, right? You know, bowing to statues and totem poles or something like that. But the will of the Gentiles in the Bible is a generic term for Gentiles is for non-Jews or unbelieving people. And so since Peter's audience is primarily not in the area of Israel. It's up in Turkey. There, it's not, there, he's not writing to Jews primarily. He's primarily writing to people who are Gentiles themselves. So he's talking about and doing the will of unbelieving people. And he says, you're doing their will. What does it mean? You're just doing what everybody else does, what everybody else did. And then he gives us some current day examples. And there's plenty others we could go through for today. And I don't want to, you know, a lot of times people go through all these and explaining what each of these words mean. I don't really want to spend our time doing that. He, He says, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties. That means you went to college, right? So no, that's okay. Nothing wrong with going to college. You should go to college, right? It's a good thing. You don't have to. It's okay. And abominable idolatries. Now, that could be some sort of religious stuff. Verse 4, in regard to these, they, and that's the people who don't believe, the people who've never put their trust in Jesus, okay, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same 
flood of dissipation or the way they live. They think it's strange that you don't live the way you used to live anymore. And he says here, speaking evil of you. Once again, our friend J.B. Phillips says this with the English dry humor. He says, our past life may have been good enough for pagan purposes, (laughs) right? But the way we used to live in the past are no good. Peter says, not anymore. If you're a Christian now, those days are over for you. And a major part of being a follower of Jesus, a major part of being what we would call a believer is the decision, the firm decision in your mind that you are going to put off the will of man, okay, or the cultural values that you know that are not right and put on the will of God. Now, young people, please, let me just speak to you for one second, okay? The will of God I've said this before, and so if you've never heard it before, you can hear it. The will of God is not that you go into the voting booth and vote Republican and watch Fox News. Okay, that's not the will of God. The will of God is contained in the Bible, right? And both political parties represent the best of the Bible and the worst of the will of man. And so it's not this thing where, you know, you have to dress a certain way and you wear your hair a certain way and this thing that people are just kind of pigeonholing you into. That's not what Christianity is. And here he's basically telling us something we all know, that we've up to this point in time today, we've had enough sin. We've all sinned enough. And part of being a follower of Jesus is not wanting that lifestyle anymore is to say, you know what, when it comes to being a sinner, I'm pretty darn good at it. And I don't really want that anymore for my life. But notice he doesn't really say so much what the unbelieving people choose to do. I mean, he gives us a list. We'll talk about that in one second. But he says it's the will of the Gentiles, right? Again, he's talking about their mind. In their mind, they kind of just do what they want. See, when you look at this list, it's really easy to go, well, I don't do any of those things. Or some of you look at the list and go, well, that's all I do, right? I understand that. I understand that. I don't think the list is meant to bury some and to exempt others. I think the list is meant to show us the deep contrast. It's a writing technique to show us the deep contrast between God's will and the will of our world. Now, again, if you're not a Christian, it's so important that you see this and you hear this, okay? That if you're not following Jesus Christ, from heaven's point of view, you are out of the will of God and you are in the will of this world. Please understand that. I'm not saying that to judge you. I'm just telling you that that's the clear observation of heaven. And if you and I want to sit down, we'll read the Bible cover to cover a few times. And you'll be like, I may not agree with that, but that's clear. That's crystal clear. You see, interestingly enough, even religion, and, and religion I'm using as a generic term of ways that mankind tries to make themselves look good to God. Like, you know, look at me, like God, I, you know, I put $5 in the offering plate. I'm pretty darn special. Heaven's probably got a, you know, a, a mansion reserved for me. Or, you know, you, I always have this joke with God. And, uh, you know, sometimes you ever let somebody go in traffic or let somebody go across the street. You ever do that? I don't, I run them over. No, but, but I let them go, and then I always go to God, boy, aren't I kind, Jesus, <laughs> right? Because, because I know that there's something inside of me that thinks I'm pretty darn good for doing something basically courteous, right? And so that's a form of religion. 
And so there are so many forms of religion where people try to do things where they make themselves look good to God, but in a sense, that totally devalues the authority of God. God determines who gets to his house. It devalues the grandeur of a perfect, holy God who invites people to his kingdom by providing his son as the sacrifice for sins. By me thinking I can do things that's gonna make me think I'm so awesome to God, what does that do to the cross? It totally devalues what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so we follow Jesus because we love Jesus. We follow Jesus because we're grateful to Jesus. We try to live this Christian life and to love God and to love people because that's what God in the person of Jesus Christ did for us. There's no other reason, right? We're not trying to look good to God. We're trying to love God in return because of what he's done for us. And then with candid honesty, And great pastoral wisdom in verse five, Peter tells all of us, don't be surprised when your friends and your family members and your coworkers and your neighbors think you're absolutely nuts for following Jesus. Don't be surprised. I'm so glad that stuff's in the Bible, aren't you? Because the reality is, is if you're following Jesus, if you're true, a true follower of Jesus, those people in your life that are not followers of Jesus, they just don't understand. And some of you that are newer to the faith, you don't even understand what happened to you. And all I can tell you is, I understand. <laughs> I understand that it's hard to understand. I still look back on my life and I'm like, My goodness, what happened to me? And all I can say is that the Lord Jesus Christ invaded my life. He came to me. I didn't come to him. He came to me. Peter says here, don't be surprised when when you do not run with them. I love that phraseology, right? Don't be surprised when you don't run with them. Don't be surprised when you're not chasing all of the same things that they are chasing for significance and value and self-worth and you're not you know, working your way to the top with a cutthroat mentality. He says, don't be surprised when you don't run with them that they speak evil of you. Don't be surprised when they start to slander you. Well, why is that? Well, we don't want to be hypocrites. But if you're really trying to live the Christian life and you don't participate in certain things, it's very convicting to the souls of people who they're wrestling with God now by watching your life. And here's the reality. It's a lot easier to critique you than it is to change. And those of you who became Christians later in life, you know that because that's what you were. That's what I was. And you were the one in the kitchen at the family party going, what happened to so-and-so? They're one of these Jesus people now. And now you're going to walk into the kitchen and you're going to find out that you're the one that they're talking about because they simply don't understand. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 what happened is you were spiritually dead and you were made spiritually alive and they're not there yet and they just don't understand yet. You might say, well, that's not right. But yet, friends, isn't that following in the steps of Jesus? The sinless Savior who was often slandered for the way he lived? 
chapter 1, we were told that we were sojourners, pilgrims, exiles, that earth was not our home, that we are people now that are just passing through, and here we have the practical realities of what that might look like at times in our lives. Because when the values of the kingdom of God collide with the values of earth, it can get very, very ugly. And here's what Jesus calls us to, to follow him. He tells us to avoid their sins, but not to avoid them. The Bible tells us to avoid the deeds of the darkness, but not the people of the darkness. The Bible tells us that we're to do our best to live at peace with people, but we're also called to engage their hearts and their minds in the good news. Are you saying, Pastor Jim, that sometimes people who make fun of me, I'm supposed to put up with that? Yes, sometimes you are. Now, I'm not talking about people who are abusive, that you see them one time and you need 18 weeks of counseling. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about, right? If you've got somebody like that in your life, make an appointment, come see me, we'll talk it through and we'll see what that is. I understand what that is like, okay? But in general, we're just God wants us to bear with people as he bore with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul gives us some really good news and some bad news. Well, he starts with the bad news. Chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. It means that people who are not going to heaven don't see it. It's veiled. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. And then he gives us the good news. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. We are called to shine the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not religion, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the hearts of people. And how are we to do it? We are to do it with love and with grace. You say, how do I do it? First off, you realize that he did it for you, okay? And you realize, second off, that without that light, you would not stand a chance of heaven, and so for followers of Jesus Christ, it may surprise you to see that Peter here is concerned with the use of our time. And he's saying that, you know, we used to spend it as the way the world told us to spend it, but now we spend it differently. It's like he's saying, stop wasting your time. You've wasted enough already. It's time to devote ourselves to the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, if you have kids, it means you're reading them Jesus stories at night and you're praying with them before they go to sleep. What does it mean if you have friends or you're married or something like that? It means you try and help people. It means you're spending time with Jesus and learning about him and learning his ways and how different he is than the rest of the world. It means trying to make a difference, and not in an obnoxious way, but in the corner of the world that God has given you. You know, like we've said so many times, you come to this church three times, you're probably the resident theologian in your office. They're like, I've talked to people about Jesus, I was a believer three weeks, and they're like, oh, I didn't realize I was with a Bible scholar. And they were serious, they weren't joking. And so it's so important to see the opportunities that God gives us. It's so important to see that being a follower of Jesus changes both our thinking and our living. This is not a club. This is not a club. This is a kingdom. Ruled by a king. You know, I hear a lot of people, I talk to them about their churches, and all they talk about their churches is some of these events that they're having. I mean, it's like the Rotary Club. It's like the Kiwanis. It's like the Lions. Nothing against any of those organizations. 
but they're clubs, they're not kingdoms. This is not a club, this is a kingdom, and we are called to live out the kingdom values. We are called to invite others to the kingdom. Next week, we're gonna talk about how each one of us has been gifted to pour our gifts into the kingdom, into one another. And these sins that are listed here are what? They're sins of self-indulgence. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of 1 Peter is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.